From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg. Grab a stool and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told. And you are among friends. Mary Joyce, writer, researcher, blogger, podcaster. Uh, she joins me for the full two hours to talk underground bases and possible connections to uh, UFOs and other strange phenomena happening in uh, beautiful North Carolina, where she is tonight. My technical producer is Owen Wolf. That's Wolf with two Fs for those keeping score at home. My live stream producer is Ryan White. And we are, in fact, live streaming tonight on our YouTube channel, Strange Planet, in my little studio beneath the stairs tonight. And I believe we have a photograph up there of Mary. And if you are there on the live stream and you this is your first time, please be sure and hit that red, red sub button if you haven't already done so. So as I say, Mary, with us for the full two hours, so we will open up the phone lines in the second hour to take questions and calls. So just sit back and uh, enjoy the conversation for the first full hour, and then we'll open up those phones and you can weigh in in the second hour and we'll, we'll roll the full, num- full phone numbers a little bit later. I just want to mention uh, here, before we get started with Mary, a paranormal researcher, author, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, who has uh, been a contributor to this program for many, many, many years. Uh, in fact, I think dating back to um, even before this program was on Zoomer Radio, she would join us the second Sunday of every month uh, for what we called our Paranormal Roundup. Well, Rosemary has decided to step back from uh, some of her radio duties, and she's focusing now on her uh, publishing company, Visionary Living. And she's handling a lot of authors, a lot of new authors, and it's going very well. But uh, she's just, you know, she's decided to focus those uh, those energies and her time on that for now. So uh, we thank Rosemary for her incredible contribution over the uh, over the years, and we hope from time to time she'll be able to uh, to join us. Uh, perhaps when she's published a new book of her own. So, that being said, next week, we begin a brand new segment. And it'll take place, again, the second Sunday of every month. But in the first hour, the first half of the first hour, the second Sunday of every month, David John Oates, the discoverer of reverse speech, uh, will be here. Again, that's the second Sunday of every month in the first half of hour one and he'll be along to talk about reverse speech he'll also play a couple of reversals if you're not familiar with uh, reverse speech or david's uh, work you are in for a treat so please join me next week it's fascinating this is technology the cia has basically acknowledged they now use for interrogating people because reverse speech is supposedly the, this is the theory anyway, the speech of the unconscious mind. And you can't lie with the unconscious mind. So, look for that next week. All right, 
Let's get Mary in here. Mary Joyce has worked for two major metropolitan area newspapers as a writer, columnist, artist, Sunday magazine editor, and feature editor. On the side, she's written magazine articles and a number of books. Currently, she's the editor of the Sky Ships Over Cashiers website, which features cutting-edge topics. She has also worked for the world's largest private printing company, a major metropolitan air pollution control agency, a community college, and for political campaigns. Her career includes working for a Fortune 100 company, coordinating art and printing for talking children's books. And she is, as I say, the founder and editor of a wonderful website, skyshipsovercashiers.com, which is just chock full of, of great articles on UFOs, underground bases, cryptids, photographs, videos, news articles, her reports, and the books. She has written Underground Military Bases Hidden in North Carolina Mountains, Cherokee Little People Were Real, and Tangible Evidence of Jesus Left Behind for Us. Mary Joyce, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Fine. It's good to hear your voice again. Likewise. First of all, those not familiar with Skyships over cashiers, just give us a little tour of the website, how to navigate it, what do we find there? It started out just because we had so many UFO sightings, so that certainly is a big topic on the website. But we find so many other things that are happening, so we've branched out in a lot of different directions. We have Bigfoot in the area. I think it's very interesting. They're in the same areas where we see UFOs. We have the remnants of the little Cherokee people, which, you know, were about three feet tall, and there's been evidence of those again in the same area. And we have the underground bases, and I've written about five of them here in western North Carolina. And we've gotten off into an awful lot of other things. I basically have a big curiosity, and I kind of let my curiosity take me places. And that's one of the reasons that I really enjoyed being a feature editor. Anything that caught my interest, for the most part, we could go and, and dig into it and find, you know, an interesting angle to it. So I bring my art background and my writing reporter background together so the website really is very visual it's not just a lot of words or gray matter um, I think we have uh, photos or something with almost everything we post and I also try to keep it condensed people are very very busy so um, I try to you know keep it so you can skim things quickly I even do a little bit of bold face throughout an article so those of us who skim things a lot um, it will flag you down and slow you down for at least important things. And the home page um, is essentially divided into three sections. We have the masthead at the t- at the top, and on the right hand side we have I think like the 20 most recent articles that have been published. And on the left hand side we have different categories um, of, of topics. And it would be like just articles, which can be anything. There's uh, skyship photos. We have a section on witness testimonies, deep throat testimonies, which are people who um, usually are in top security positions or something where they can't fully identify themselves. They will let me know who they are, but they won't let me post it on, on the website. We have a section devoted just to ETs, Bigfoot, and other beings. We have connections uh, around the globe and out into the universe. And we have undercover operations. So there's a whole lot of things to, to choose from. 
And sky ships, obviously, referring to unidentified aerial phenomena, UAPs or UFOs, uh, whatever the preferred acronym. Uh, cashiers uh, refers to what? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. Uh, we began to see so many UFOs over this um, town called Cashiers, and it's spelled as if it was a cashier at Walmart. Um, but it's a high ridge, uh, small community that gets a little bit bigger in size uh, during the hot months when everybody wants to get cooler and come back up to the mountains. But it's um, just a mountaintop community and uh, totally surrounded by forest and and uh, lots of interesting activities. Beautiful. And and what part of the state is it? It's in the extreme western part of North Carolina. And what's I've driven the interstate there. Uh, is it forty seven? Is it an interstate uh, forty? Is 40? a major road that would be going from Asheville, and it would take you over to Tennessee. Uh, we are still further west than that. Uh, okay, I'm about I, so that was forty minutes from Asheville. Okay, did you say that was uh, Route forty? Uh, that's what I'm guessing that you're talking about. Right. Yes, I've driven that. That's from, that's. I believe that uh, that took me through the mountains, and it was just absolutely spectacular. And that's a pretty dramatic gorge. Um, they still have rock slides and things that uh, will block traffic for a while. So uh, when you go through there, it's uh, it can be an eventful uh, ride through that gorge, especially right. if there's a big truck breathing down the back end of your car. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, it was foggy and rainy and, uh, there was, yeah, there was some logging trucks either side of me. That's, that, that made for a, uh, a, a bit of a white knuckle uh, yeah, trip. I'll tell you that much. You go on 40. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, um, I want to ask you right out of the shoot about an underground base or there are, there's more than one in North Carolina, I'm guessing. I've written, a, the one, I've written about five of them. Yeah. Uh, the big hole. I keep reading about the big hole. This was a base. I think it was a joint military AT&T operation during the Cold War. I think it's been, uh, it's been abandoned for some 20 years. Where is the big hole at? Uh, you're going to be real disappointed. I don't know. Oh. How's okay, that well, there's, uh, no, that's alright. I, I, um, maybe it goes by a different name, or it probably does. This one is, I think, is in, is in Chatham, Chatham County? Could be, is that's Chatham uh, County? in the other yeah. part of the state. Uh, if it's not active, it's not something that I've been investigating. The ones that I've written about are ones that are active. Things are definitely uh, going on. Okay, alright. So, the, uh, the one that you, you've written about most recently, uh, the one that is, I guess, of greatest interest right now, that you're hearing most about from whistleblowers, etc. Whereabouts is that situated? Well, the last time that you and I talked, we, we got into quite a bit of the one that's the oldest that I know of in this area, and uh, we covered that pretty well. The, the one I learned about um, the most recently is the one that was uh, built under the Smoky Mountain National Park. And... <clears throat> It, it, um, the, the original person who was the witness for it, uh, was a man that I had known for a couple of years, so, and I had every reason to trust him. And when he began to see strange activities, um, in Cherokee, which is right next to the Smoky Mountains, um, he began to take pictures and he started to tell me about it because of the website. 
And because of his alertness, we learned a whole lot of things. Um, I, basically, well, let's see, what can I tell you? There's a lot of oddities that are happening there. For example, um, all of a sudden the park became a no-fly zone. And they said the reason that they did it was because they had reintroduced the elk into the park and they didn't want the airplane scaring the elk, which is mm. just the biggest bogus excuse in the world because uh, right along the main highway that goes between North Carolina through the park and over to Tennessee is, um, you know, well-traveled, lots of traffic, and you always see the elk out there by the visitor center. Um, the cars stop, the people jump out, they take pictures. The elk aren't bothered at all, and they've reproduced in, you know, very significant numbers. So this whole excuse of, you know, making it a no-fly zone is just rather odd and highly suspicious. Another thing that's really odd and suspicious, and this I was aware of since I first moved here in 98, was that people, they get back into the woods uh, either hunting or, you know, riding the trails. Uh, they've seen foreign military um, soldiers uh, doing practice, uh, you know, maneuvers. And they've seen Germans and they've seen Russians and they've seen U.N. troops. And that's another oddity that's going on in this area. Uh, a third oddity is um, people have gotten into the, the remote part of the park and in certain areas near where this entrance has to be. Um, they have been stopped by um, park rangers with either M4 or AR-15 machine guns, and have been people have been told to turn back or not to go any further. And that's just something that, uh, you know, you just don't expect to find in any national park. Um, a fourth oddity is that uh, big um, cargo military planes will fly in and out of the park, so they're flying really low. And uh, this man, his, we use the name Clark for him, uh, he got a picture of one of them flying out of the park, and it was flying so low that you could still see the, um, the cargo, uh, you know, the rear cargo uh, door still open. It hadn't closed completely. And he also got pictures of uh, Osprey, uh, helicopters, and these are working helicopters. There's, he's seen them where they have, um, like, what they call a big load hanging from them, uh, where something's being dropped off. Um, so uh, that's another oddity in this particular park. One of the uh, a sixth oddity is um, is a story that started with the um, uh, fish hatchery, which is like down in the valley, so to speak, in Cherokee. And uh, the water stopped flowing into the uh, fish hatchery, and so two of the men followed the creek up to find out what was stopping the water. And they ran into to several things. First of all, they were ones that ran into the uh, uh, machine gun guys, but they also discovered that the reservoir, which had always been full of water, was totally dry, and in its place was a 50,000-gallon water tank that was halfway buried in this dry reservoir. And what makes it interesting is there were pipes going out of it and going down into the ground. 
so it was being used as a water supply for something beneath the ground. Um, mm. And then we've gotten multiple reports where people are hearing booming sounds or like a pylon being driven into the ground or the just, you know, machine-type sounds beneath the ground where there's no obvious um, structures or anything around. Uh, it's just all quite odd. How, how far are you from, from the National Park? If I could... If I could fly, I could go right over the ridge. Um, where I live, I look up at the Blue Ridge. If I were to go north and over the Blue Ridge, I would be in Cherokee. But you have to wind around the mountains to get from where I am, and that takes about 20 minutes. And, and roughly how large in square miles, let's say, would Smoky Mountain National Park be? That's a really good question. I don't know the answer, but it's a fair, it's a good-sized park. And, um, and so... So that no-fly zone, for example, that extends over the entire park? That's my understanding. Uh, it, they are most concerned about the section that would be in the uh, eastern part of the park. Uh, it's not the place where most of the tourists go unless they're, you know, campers. Um, if people want to look this up on a map, if you uh, find the location for the, let's see, Mile High Campground, it's on a high, oh no, not a highway. It's on a little road called Hindtugi Road, and that's about the closest landmark to where the the entrance is. And the entrance is unreachable from that road, but it's down uh, from there. In fact, when all this suspicious activity was going on, they closed the road for uh, two years. Um, they said it was because there'd been a washout, but this is at the same time when the reservoir is totally dry. So it's another um, bogus excuse for, um, you know, blocking off a highway. But they were using it to uh, obviously haul things closer to uh, the actual entrance to the facility. And and do you have reports of people who've actually seen the entrance? I mean, we know no, physically no. where it's located? No. The best story that I can give you is how this actually got started. Uh, this man that I told you that I knew... Uh, when he came in to tell me what he was finding, his whole story started when he and his wife were at um, uh, on the south side of Cherokee. They had stopped either for gas or convenience store, and they saw this really strange um, piece of equipment on the back of a flatbed truck. And he had been in the military, and he said it looked like a, uh, I don't know what he called it, it's like a decontamination chamber. Right. Very odd shaped. So he's he's not shy. He went over and started talking to the driver who was parked there. It was a woman driver, and maybe that was, uh, well, anyhow. And he was talking to her, and she said that uh, she was waiting for um, a convoy of other, I think it was like five trucks, and an escort. Um, and she said they were taking equipment uh, to someplace else in the park, and then it would be airlifted to, um, you know, a nearby location. They stuck around. They saw the other trucks arrive. They all had Navy tarps over the equipment. And the the escorts uh, arrived, and they were in um, white, I think, SUVs, totally white, and the uh, people in it uh, were dressed in black and had um, guns. So 
this man and his wife, they at a distance followed this um, convoy, and it went um, on the main road that connects, you know, Tennessee with um, uh, North Carolina, and this convoy moved into a campground, and it's called Smokemont. And after they entered that uh, campground area, they closed the gate, and nobody else could get in there. So um, that was the suspicious activity that really made him become very alert to the things that were going on there. And ever since then, he's... I've been monitoring it, I guess, and reporting back had, to you. Is that the idea? A couple of years um, where everything was really intense. Uh, I don't have the notes in front of me, but it seems like from 2010 to 2013 was when it was the most intense as far as the building goes. Now, things still happen. Since then, we had an, uh, another witness who, again, um, had military experience at one point. Mary, Mary I'm just going to get you to hold on and, to, and tell us about that other witness. When we come back, we'll step away here for just a second, and we'll be back with Mary Joyce, founder and editor of a fabulous website, SkyShipsOverCashiers.com, talking hidden military bases in North Carolina, right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show. Welcome back. Mary Joyce is with us, and for the full two hours, the website is skyshipsovercashiers.com, and we are talking hidden military bases in North Carolina. You mentioned before the uh, the break another witness. We, we talked about Clark. Uh, this witness near Cherokee who, who first noticed some of this strange activity in and around Smoky Mountain National Park. And uh, then you said another witness came forward. Tell me about this person. Uh, this was a, a woman who had, um, I think she probably spent about 10 years in the military, and um, then she went on to teach after she left there. And she drove up to this road that I mentioned earlier called Hindtugi Road, which would take you up to uh, the Mile High Campground and beyond that. And she went up there to take a picture of a Masonic, um, I don't know what you want to call it, a monument that's almost directly above where we believe the actual entrance to this place is. And she said it was a beautiful, clear, sunny day when she was driving up there. And the birds were singing and everything was perfect. And she said the closer she got to this area that we're talking about, suddenly there were no birds singing. It got quiet. And the longer that she stayed there, she began to get a headache. Um, she stayed there anyhow, and she began to, to feel woozy. And when she finally did leave, as she got further away from this magical spot, uh, then she began to feel better again. And I have had, I understand what she's talking about. I call it people repellent. And when I have approached, uh, the Perry Center that you and I talked about earlier or before, um, when I would get close to it, and I always had other people with me and they experienced the same thing, you would have this disoriented feeling in your head. And it's like you really would rather not be there. You'd rather turn around and leave. And, 
um, from everything I've been able to piece together from people who, you know, would know more than I, it looks like they use some kind of an electromagnetic um, energy that I regard as a, as a people repellent. Um, Is that what they call active denial system? An active denial system? Um, I don't know. It's, uh, well, I think police forces now are are starting to utilize them. They have different techniques for crowd control that, that seem to involve, uh, some sort of ultrasound, uh, uh, if that's the right word. You know, it's a, it's a frequency above the human hearing. That you don't hear, but you feel it. Right, right. Right. And, and it I'm can sure have an effect on the, sure uh, the nervous system and so similar, forth. Similar technologies, and I'm sure they've had these for a very long time. And, I mean, we're not, she's not suggesting necessarily that there's some sort of a connection between the, 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 uh, the Freemason stone marker and this. It now just happens it's a close proximity. That's a whole different subject. It's not one that she addressed. Uh, the main reason for her telling the story is, uh, what I just told you as far as her physical experience, but right. she also was one of the people who heard uh, the machine sounds beneath the ground, and uh, she described some of the sounds as, you know, when they put a pylon down on the ground for building a bridge or something and they pound on it, you know, that kind of yes. sound. She was yes. hearing that. Uh, she said the, to the best of her ability, she she went to the edge and tried to look over to see if she could see anything uh, down below, and, and of course she was not able to. Um, but um, it's it's pretty convincing. There's something going on underneath the ground there. And and you believe the the height of this building activity was between 2010 and 2013. That seems to be when there was the most um, obvious visual um, proof of it. Uh, and then, you know, once things began to be built or, be, you know, be completed, uh, you didn't see as much of it. Just, I'm curious, going back to Clark's testimony, the, the, the whistleblower you mentioned earlier, and this decontamination unit, what do you suppose, I mean, what could they run into while they're digging underground? Could it be something like radon gas, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering? Um, sure, it could be something like that. My inclination would be it would be for um, some kind of a disaster or emergency situation. Um, if this facility underneath Smoky Mountain National Park is similar to the one that we know about under the Perry Center, um, the Perry Center is city size. It's six stories deep. It's totally self-sufficient. So for you know, uh, certain people, that would be also a survival community if there were to be a natural disaster or a nuclear disaster, and perhaps that's part of the purpose for some of these underground facilities. I don't think it's the only reason that they're there, but that certainly could be an aspect of it. So I would tend to think it would be more preparation uh, for some kind of a disaster. Ah, like a nuclear strike, perhaps mm-hmm. chemical yeah. warfare, right. Uh, right? Biological warfare. So right. this any, may any not necessarily, above. right? It, so it may not be a necessarily a military installation. It could be in preparation for some sort of cataclysm, cataclysmic event. It could be used. Uh, it's not intended for civilians, 
uh, it doesn't sound like. It's it's more like a, a, a continuity of government type thing, do you suppose? Um, well, when you think of the continuity of government, you think of uh, things like out in, in uh, Colorado and some of the places around outside of D.C. Uh, where they have places where different aspects of the government can, you know, go and, and survive in a disaster. At one time, um, the, the facility that's in, oh, Sweet, is it Sweetbriar? No, that's not it. There's a place in West Virginia, right on the Virginia border, and it's now open to the public. It's a grand hotel, and you can now take tours of um, the hidden base that was beneath that uh, hotel. And it was at one time designed as a survival place for uh, the people in Congress. Ah, okay. So they're quite open about that. So yeah, because it's so if, outdated, you know. Right. That you know, people found out about it. They you know were whispering about it, and since it is outdated, uh, they've just decided to open up and let the public see it. Just getting I'm back sure to it's, the, it's re- not being used for its original purpose. I know that. Right. Getting back to the reports from some people who were in Smoky Mountain National Park and, for example, uh, they were witnessing what they described as foreign troops. You said German soldiers, Russian, sorry? That's not limited to the Smoky Mountain National Park. Um, A lot of the um, remote western forest around here are also being used by the military. Um, there's one uh, uh, facility that I've heard about from several men. Most of them would not let me quote them or would not let me uh, write up what they reported. But then um, uh, in 2016, I, I was contacted by a man um, who said I could share uh, the information about this facility that's right smack dab on the uh, border between Tennessee and North Carolina. Um, if anybody wants to look it up on the map, the nearest city that I know of is called Teleco Plains. And um, this man was a former manufacturer of, in the aerospace industry, and he comes up here uh, because he likes to enjoy back-to-nature uh, vacations. And he has uh, discovered, um, oh, he found a cement slab that's way down in a gorge, and there was a um, some kind of a... Communication tower thing that was aimed right at it. Um, then he got to know uh, the people who live there all the time, which would be simple mountain folks. And he said the locals had reported uh, at one time that Russian soldiers uh, walked down the mountain to a church in their community asking for food. Um, they had, they hadn't gotten their airdrop for a week or two, and they were hungry. And uh, they couldn't speak English, but they found somebody uh, within the church who was able to communicate with them. Um, then there was another story where some um, kids were out um, just, I don't know, doing what kids do in the woods, and they ran into uh, people that were doing full um, rifle shooting. And when they told uh, other people about it, uh, one man who had a military background also had night vision uh, scopes or scope and he went to the area where the boys had seen this and he said he came uh, eye to eye with another person with military night scopes 
looking right back at him. So he decided he would uh, just turn around and hightail it back. Um, I have not been able to get too much more information about that, and that's the reason that this is really the first time I've even mentioned it uh, to anybody on anybody's show. But there's something going on there. Um, there's a strange Russian structure. Russian Russian soldiers on American soil in some sort of military exercise. Correct. And like I said, you, I first heard about these from some of the hunters and and uh, actually the, uh, one of the guys who has a store that sells camping equipment and different things that hunters and outdoor people like. I got into a conversation with him. And this had to be in 98, 99. He was the first one that told me that when they went back in the woods, they um, it was not uncommon uh, for them to run into military soldiers from um, other countries. Um, All right, I'm going to jump in here now, Mary, because we've got the music percolating up. That means time to step away just for a moment. We'll be back and uh, talk more about these foreign soldiers and uh, some of the other strange goings-on underneath, over top, of Smoky Mountain National Park and uh, other areas of North Carolina. Mary Joyce, editor-founder, skyshipsovercashiers.com. Back with more in a moment. Stay with us. Listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarek. Mary Joyce is with us, writer, researcher, blogger, editor, founder of SkyShipsOverCashiers.com. We're talking underground military bases, or at least we think that's what they are, military bases. Uh, SkyShipsOverCashiers.com, a terrific website. So we were talking about eyewitness reports of foreign soldiers. Uh, not only in Smoky Mountain National Park, which is where this hidden base is supposed to be, but in sort of the surrounding uh, uh, national forest. Uh, Russian soldiers, did you say before German soldiers as well? Uh, Germans, Russians, and the United uh, UN. UN. And I'll give you a piece of information that helped make a little bit of sense to me when, when I learned this. And in 1972, uh, President Nixon signed our country on to the World Heritage Treaty. Um, and that put some of our country's national parks and historic sites and monuments under the protection and control of the United Nations. The uh, Great Mountain, uh, the Great Smoky Mountain National Park is one of those. So even though it's in the United States, even though Americans are responsible for, you know, maintaining it, we no longer officially are in charge of it. And this very well could be why uh, other military, like the UN, are able to um, do what they want to. But that's, that's only a... Remarkable. That's only a... And people should probably do the research on that, because it's, uh, you just have to wonder why we would give up control of something within our own country. Right, right. Uh, and you also mentioned earlier park rangers armed with AR-15s, now, which that's is... Now, certainly not all of them. People are only right. running into this in these more remote areas that get close to where this entrance is. Hmm. Uh, 
So and also, you, also the yeah. park rangers, we have gotten this from somebody who has been a park ranger, and they are chastised and told absolutely not to speak of anything that they see in the park that's unusual of this nature. So mm-hmm. there is a definite effort to um, keep it mums, uh, you know, the things that are going on there. If you try to to uh, do a Google Earth search over the area where you believe this base is, do you see anything? Any satellite images? No, and um, uh, I can do I can do Google searches with the Perry facility, but this one is like under a ridge, and it's like from above you might not even be able to see it because it would be, you know, inside that ridge is the way we imagine it. Uh, because we cannot see anything on top of the ridge or looking down on the side of the ridge. And, uh, you know, people are just not allowed to get close enough to get to that facility. The the campground where the, the Clark and his wife saw um, the equipment being carried into the campground, that is not that far, but there apparently aren't major access roads, so they were supposedly airlifting this equipment to the entrance. Airlifting. From the same area where uh, Clark was able to get pictures of these workhorses um, for in the helicopters. I mean, Ospreys are workhorses. And there's also sky cranes. And these, um, you know, can lift a lot of heavy equipment and drop off a lot of heavy equipment. And is the is the construction is it pretty well stopped or do people still hear the uh, these strange noises uh, in I Cherokee underneath underneath um, the ground? I probably should get out and 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 do a lot more questioning again, but I have not heard of anything of the kind of things I'm talking about in the last two years. Hmm. Uh, this is a short segment. We're going to break here momentarily, but let's just start the conversation. Let's start talking about. You and I have talked in the past, I think on the podcast, about uh, the Perry Center. Uh, whereabouts is that located? Uh, if people want, well, if they want to find it, uh, and that you can find on Google, um, the, the, uh, a town of any size would be Rosman, R-O-S-M-A-N, uh, North Carolina, and the uh, entrance to Perry is north of there. There's a little tiny crossroads called Balsam Grove, which is like almost at the entrance to the Perry Center. And this one you can see from Google. Uh, in fact, um, uh, and I do believe you and I talked about this before. Yes. Um, there were reports of uh, new digging and underground activity going on at this base, which is the oldest of the ones I'm aware of. And I was able to Google search and uh, see where there were a giant tarps spread over an obvious hole because there were two tarps and you could see between them and there was all sorts of evidence of trucks hauling out dirt uh, from that hole. And uh, so people who live in the area uh, are hearing, uh, you know, the digging sounds. So there's uh, expansion going on at that facility. All right, yeah. we'll uh, take another quick time out and we'll uh, come back and talk more about the um, hidden base beneath the Perry Center, Mary Joyce, Skyships over cashiers.com. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us.
You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Mary Joyce will stay with us into hour two, and we will take calls after the uh, top of the hour. Now, uh, why don't I, I'll give you those phone numbers again, uh, just in anticipation of that. 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740. That's in the greater Toronto area. And then toll free from out of town, 1-866-740. 4740 866 We started talking about the, the second military base or second hidden underground base in North Carolina. And uh, now you call it the Perry Center. What is the Perry Center, actually? Uh, it's an acronym for PISCA Astronomical Research Institute. The facility was a part of the Department of Defense during the Cold War. Uh, supposedly, it's been turned over to an astronomical research uh, uh, operation. Um, but sometimes you can get in there uh, through the gate and there's no problem. Sometimes they invite people out there to um, observe the, the stars with the telescopes. Um, and other times you can't get in there at all. Um, I call it a capstone cover uh, for what's beneath it. And there are two uh, witnesses um, with high security or above high security clearance uh, who have both confirmed that, indeed, there is a city-size size facility beneath um, what appears to be just an astronomical research place now. But it was a major um, satellite uh, tracking station during the Cold War. But it's still operational. The Cold War is, of course, long gone, but it's there are still personnel there. It's still operating. Is that right? It's uh, It's been turned over to like an educational-type facility mm-hmm. on the surface. So on the surface, uh, that's the whole thing that they're devoted to is astronomy. But that facility is still beneath there, and there are still times when there is... Uh, I had two Air Force guys tell me that they had seen uh, guards in, um, oh, like, SWAT outfits um, guarding the gates at some points. So there are times when they're very cautious about it. Uh, considering that it's city size beneath that, I suspect that's not the only way to get there. And and how do we know the size and scope of what lies beneath the Perry Center? How do we know it's city size? Um, from the two witnesses that um, that I've had the privilege of meeting, uh, who have you know proven to me that they have this high security clearance, um, I don't know what else to tell you. I, I well, certainly know you... I'm not going to get down there. Uh, no, no, they've be, they've been there though. They they assure you they've been down there. They ha- they both are familiar with it in one way or another. Yes. When you say that they've demonstrated to you that they have high security clearance, can you share with me what that means? Well, one of the witnesses, um, I had um, put something on the website from the first witness. And this man, who I have met through a, a job that I was working at at one point here, and I had just known him as a customer in the store, um, and he... Um, began to tell me what he normally does 
And I was able to confirm this in indirect ways. For example, he would go up to Washington to teach courses in, you know, uh, I don't know, spy stuff, espionage, uh, mm-hmm. counterintelligence. So I knew these things about him, which at a very personal level gave me credibility, uh, gave him credibility to me is what I should say. And he was very, very cautious about confirming the information. He deliberately wrote it um, in a style of writing that is not his own, so he couldn't be tracked that way. He had somebody else deliver the uh, written uh, testimony to me, and he has refused to be seen around me since then. So he does not want to be connected um, in, in any way whatsoever. But he said he doesn't like everything that's going on there, and he, he figures that at least he could shine a little bit of light on it. What is it that he doesn't like? What did he suggest or hint at that's going on down there? Well, the first witness um, told me, and then he, this man confirmed it later, that they do mind control things there. They have the ability to wipe out people's memories. Um, uh, many years ago, I interviewed a man with, who, when he was a boy, worked at a nearby tree, Christmas tree farm. And people at the Christmas tree farm had seen caged animals being taken into that facility. This was before it became an astronomy place. Um, you know, why? Why, w- why would they do that? Um, so the, you begin to put these little pieces together, and it just makes the whole place seem more and more suspicious. We also see a lot of UFOs um, um, around that particular center. And for a while, I was getting reports from one man who <clears throat> would see the uh, UFOs flying over the Perry Center very low. Uh, he would report them and tell me about them. And he began to have um, his equipment, his computers, completely wiped out. And after that happened once or twice, I think it was at least twice, he decided he couldn't afford to um, speak out about it anymore. So he went quiet also. Mm. And what do they describe these craft as looking like? Um, here, This is in this same general area. We have all sorts of different kinds of UFOs. The ones that we see, um, like going into the lake near this facility, which may be an entrance, are more the saucer-shaped UFOs. But we've seen some incredibly strange UFOs. We have them... Um, we have pictures on the website um, of ones that look like asteroids, and they're not zipping through the air. They're hovering close enough so that, you know, somebody was able to get pictures of them. Uh, they're very odd-shaped. Um, I don't know. We've had just about every kind of shape you can imagine, but that's one of the ones that was really strange to see them looking like an asteroid and hovering over cachers. Um uh, and it was the light from the ground that illuminated them. They weren't, you know, emitting light. Um, we, it's very common to see the ones that have rotating colors. Uh, if people get close to it, sometimes they can see um, lights going around the circumference of the UFO, and the colors change. Typically we hear uh, blue and red and yellow or green, and uh, it'll just ro- rotate around the circumference. 
Um, I haven't had many reports of this, but we had one many years ago where it was a UFO that looked like it was stacked, like you could see different layers um, or floors. Right. Uh, we've had the, the cigar-shaped ones. Um, I, I don't think there's really a limit on them. And, and you mentioned that some of them have been seen going into or coming out of a nearby there's a lake. lake. There's a lake just to the west of the Perry Center, and there's been, I've not seen this myself, but I have gotten reports from people who say they've seen them go in or out of that lake. And, uh, you know, we, we talk about underwater UFOs. Well, they're no different. They're impervious to the water and impervious to the air, so they can go in and out with ease. And, uh, you know, after the break, remind me to tell you about the uh, most recent report I got about um, underwater UFOs. I'm making a note of that. <laughs> underwater UFOs. We will tackle that when we come back after the, uh, the top of the hour, which is quickly approaching. Just a, uh, a moment uh, or two here remains in this hour. And just a reminder well, that Mary Joyce... I emphasize is, you know, you and I have talked about the two bases, and those are certainly the two that, you know, deserve a lot of attention. But there are other ones that have, you know, that have stories to go with them, too. Uh, the one uh, under Sugarloaf Mountain, which is near Chimney Rock State Park. It's right on the edge of it. Um, you know, it's certainly a story worth telling, too. Chimney Rock State Park. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Why do you suppose they're, they're choosing state parks, national parks, to build these bases? Just- Maybe because they can control areas more? I don't know, but... Um, it, let's see. And there's one under Mount Mitchell. That's like a, you know, resort type camping type place that people go to. Um, there's one in Linville Gorge, which is a popular place where people like to, you know, camp and hike. Um, They're hiding in plain sight, it would appear. Mary, we'll take another time out. And just a reminder, we'll open up the phone lines next. Take your questions and comments as we discuss underground bases, hidden bases in North Carolina and a connection to UFOs, perhaps. Stay with us right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. <laughs> 